0: Hello and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast, We Ain't Got No History's official SB Nation podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jeremy Funnel, and as always, I'm joined by the lovely, my lovely co-host, Ram. Ram,
1: I know you've been in
0: a bit of a hassle to get here today, but thank you for making it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, (laughs) thank you for giving me such a kind introduction. (laughs) I didn't Uh, want to.
0: You want to? No. You're looking forward to the West Ham game analysis, right? I mean, didn't want to uh, miss
1: that. <laughs> yeah, no. Go for mess must-up for the world. No, you're a you're a you're a very good guy though. Introducing me like that, so thank you. <laughs> good to be here as always. And um,
0: we are joined today by yet another community member. Um, I always mix up the number, but I know him by the name True Blue, as many of you will. Um, in real life, his name is Kanish. If I pronounce that correctly, forgive me if I didn't.
2: Uh,
0: welcome to the podcast, mate.
2: Hi guys, uh, really happy to be here. Happy to chat with you guys. As said, you won't want to miss a
0: discussion of such a lovely game as that one on Saturday. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I wish it. I, I, I wish it was after a game with a big, a big win over the West Ham, uh, over West Ham, but unfortunately it's not to be but that's okay that's okay still right this is a rebuilding season and we'll have good games we will we'll have not so good games so it's okay
0: exactly uh, that's a very good introduction this will also be the theme of today's uh podcast episode yes we did lose but there have to be positives that have to be taken despite a very, very poor performance. And we'll just get straight into this lads initial reactions. Um, I did visit the post match reaction threads. Uh, we ain't on the history. It wasn't pretty, but (laughs) there were a lot of concerns that were aired, which were quite valid. You know, uh, there were several points made in regard to mistakes that were, were made um and yeah so in light of that what were your initial reactions we will start with our guest uh don't worry we will also still come to asking you how you became a chelsea fan but we'll do that more at the end because the pressing issue here is what the hell happened there so true blue what do you think
2: Actually, we started off really well. You know, the first 20-25 minutes, we were really on top of them, and you know, it was only a matter of. I think that was that's the theme of the game: finishing our chances. We didn't finish our chances, and they got few chances, and took one, and that's the story, really. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I think I think we were okay. I mean, uh, in the midfield, we didn't do anything spectacular, but we were solid. Kept the possession, although I think uh, I I'm, I got reminded of many of the sorry games where where the back four kept the game kept the ball between them a lot of times. So I think a little bit of more forward passing could have helped. Uh, I think the front three I could tell that clearly they have not played much together, um, and I it, it showed, it showed the way how they linked up, uh, how they actually didn't link up. Uh, so yeah, it was disappointing. I was really impressed uh, by uh, by Reece James, his his speed and his crossing. Although uh, I know I don't want to be too critical of him, but uh, I think Tresswell turned him over very easily for that the, the goal West Ham well, the, the goal which West Ham scored. I hope I wish he could have done better. Uh, but yeah, I mean it is what it is. We have a young team. We have. Clearly, areas of improvement uh, next transfer window. So it is what it is. I think we take this and move on. We're still at four. Uh, um, Manchester United didn't win. Uh, Arsenal didn't win. So I guess that's not too bad (laughs) for the weekend.
1: Mm. Sorry. Uh, No, I mean, I, I pretty much agree because the first, I think, twenty-five or thirty minutes or so was us doing pretty well and putting them putting them under lots of pressure, and we had lots of the ball. But then, uh, it also reflected in our expected goals because, like, if you look at our xG timeline, it goes like it goes until about one point five or one point seven or such until halftime, and then after halftime, it's like. It's just a straight line because we we barely did anything of note after halftime and you know given the score just for the just for the break um yeah it was I, I don't know I just felt as if we were really lacking mentally on that occasion and that was that was kind of worrying because we should we should I mean we should we should have come out all guns blazing after going down to go like that. But we didn't, and we also didn't create anything, and we were just—I don't know whether it was fatigue or mental fatigue more so than physical fatigue. But I, I know that a lot of things went wrong together, like all the all the bad bad parts of all the bad parts of the team that we've seen so far this season. Like they all happened together, and we lost the game. Unfortunately, we also lost the game against a team that was not in very good form at all over the last. I mean, since like September, so yeah, that it. I mean, that was it. Really sucked, but we we move on. I mean,
2: so, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Ram. Just to add, you know, I was just reading that. I think the last time West Ham won at Stamford Bridge, it was when I think Paul the was playing. Uh-huh. I was like, wow, that was that's been a while since they have actually won a game at Stamford Bridge. So, uh, okay, just to yeah, make, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that just heightens heightens the disappointment of the whole thing. But yeah, I mean we, we we really shouldn't have lost that game. I I fully expected to go into the I mean, I fully expected us to win it going into the game, but uh you know, it is what it is. I I felt that we were really really lacking up front and uh Mason Mount wasn't having his best game. Pulisic show, Pulisic had some really good moments during our good spell, but then he ended up Losing possession more often than he should have and Reese James got he got turned by Aaron Cresswell <laughs> yeah, I mean it that that's really not the type of thing that's supposed to happen to Reese James like I've seldom seen him get turned like that, but yeah, it was it, I mean call it Murphy's law, call it whatever, but it, it it happened and we move on and I don't think we'll we'll see too many other days like that we've we've played a lot better against much better teams. So, yeah, we'll it, it's only going to get better after that, and it, it could be a lot worse. We're still in a good position, we're still fourth, we're still like six points clear of Tottenham, I think. So, isn't it, Jimmy? It's not so bad.
0: Um, you know, I was going to say, yeah, you're right, until you mentioned that six points clear of Tottenham, it was nearly double that, uh, two weeks ago. Um, I know a lot of people. Oh, Man say. City,
1: come on.
0: Wait, 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 wait. I unders—I agree. I agree. But it's nevertheless concerning that they have halved uh, or, you know, bridged the gap by half. Uh, that is, you you have to, you have to say, you know, Mourinho's here. And, you know, despite everything that's happened between us and Jose, objectively speaking, he is still a world-class manager. He has everything that is necessary at least in this first season maybe a second as well we'll have to wait and see um to make tottenham a formidable side again and every loss that we concede now until the end of the season is gonna hurt so much more delali's gotten into form harry kane starting scoring loads of goals if i'm not mistaken uh, again so you know they the the hunting pack won't won't stop you know is is they're relentless um and i think they're invigorated with marino and we should be worried about that you know there's no point saying oh you know it's just a slight bump i mean we always knew that this was going to happen you know there's the purple patch and at some point frank woods uh, run into trouble And that's fine because he's a young manager. This is just about how he reacts now. And he'll learn from uh, his experiences because personally, I believe that he made quite a few tactical errors in that game against West Ham. Um, I didn't agree with the lineup. Uh, I understand rotation, but nevertheless, Giroud and Pedro shouldn't have been in that lineup. Uh,
1: I think Pedro's pretty much done, isn't he?
0: He is. And I think that is... Down because you know he's the most decorated player in the Premier League, hands down. However, due to his decline, you know he hasn't got this this, this blistering pace anymore. And, uh, he hasn't really been able to adjust/slash adapt his way of play to well, sorry, ball, and most importantly, what Frank Lampard is playing. Um, He needs this high-intensity play. He needs this pressing. And while Pedro always gives it his all, his decision-making has been dreadful. He continually loses the ball because there's no point in him working back and tirelessly if he's always going to lose the ball and misplace a pass and is just not decisive in the final third. We already have William for that, who, if I might say, found back to old form against West Ham uh, even after coming on you know, as a, he's never been good as an impact sub. If you ask me, he only really shines when he um, starts. But you know, it's, it's th- those two shouldn't have started. Meaning Giroud and Pedro. And in all honesty, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have gone. Well, I already said this last week. I wouldn't have gone with Jorginho and uh, uh, Kovacic. I really believe that we, we need Kante in this team. And to be fair, Mateo Kovacic, I thought he was quite a bit better than Jorginho. So, you know, on merit, one could argue maybe Kovacic and uh, Kante are the ones that should play, with Kante playing the deeper of the two, while uh, Kovacic links uh, defense and attack, uh, links up defense and attack. That would uh- be one thing, you know.
1: Yeah, I actually think that you've raised a really good point there because we've been we've been talking about midfield all season, haven't we? But well, the thing is, we we've always I mean we had County injured for a while and we had Mason Mount in some good form, but then now we have everyone fit and people are in and out of form and we're in between shapes. So I think would you would you agree with me if i said that if we were playing a 433 the best midfield would probably be Jorginho at the base and then or Jorginho maybe as a box to box or something and basically i would play kante Jorginho, and kovacic but then if you're playing a 4231 i would actually not have Jorginho in the midfield i i mean as as you're saying i'd, I'd much rather have kovacic and kante over there and then play Mason Mount further up front because of what he gives to the team that you know none of these others mm. can in that role. Like can I can uh, I add something? Oh no, for sure. I, I was I was just gonna get to you actually. I was I was gonna yeah, ask was, you what uh, your preferred midfield combination is gonna be.
2: You know I think see the the, the opposition uh, yesterday day before yesterday was West Ham, which is like going through a really bad form, and we're playing at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really I mean. We should have gone probably more, much more attacking. I'm not sure, uh, like the formation which we played. We we had four three three, or what was the role of Mason Mount? He seemed he seemed to be floating around everywhere in the midfield, and I never saw any like attacking through balls attempts by Jorginho to for maybe Giroud or anyone making a run. I and I, speaking of Pedro, I thought it was a great game for Callum Hudson Hudson to start the game. Uh, you know, if he was fit he was on the bench. I don't know why he he didn't start it started uh, Pedro to start the game. pick uh, Pedro to start the game. Uh but yeah, I think yes, it felt like a missed opportunity, definitely. We should have been much more attacking at I don't know. <laughs> that's what I that's what I thought.
1: I don't mm-hmm. know why. No, I, I think with Kalamatsun and Roy it was more of uh, maybe maybe he wasn't fit. Or something like that, and I, I feel as if Lampard is taking some decisions to maintain squad harmony. I, I don't know why I felt like that because, yeah, I I also I was also pretty confused at Pet, seeing yeah. Pedro in the starting lineup because I thought he was done after he didn't start in the League Cup when we you know we fielded Billy Gilmore, but
2: yeah, and I, I think whatever the reports are coming is like he is most likely on his way out. He and Oliver Giroux. So I don't know why why then over say even even Batchwi or Kalimotsonadoi, but I don't know if he Asunodoyi had injury issues. But then he he was at the bench. He started the he played for the last twenty odd minutes or so, fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. What did you make so, of him? What did you make of him when he came on? I mean, he's been he's been a bit you know hot and cold this season. Um, I mean, we can attribute a lot of it to coming back from really serious injury but how would you assess his progress and what do you what do you think of him when he came on
2: you're asking me or jimmy
1: oh no i'm asking you kanesh <laughs> uh,
2: i think he, he was all right he wasn't he wasn't anything spectacular i mean he uh, he does try crossing you know his his switch switch play from the from the left to the right has been nice but then uh i think it, it, I could tell that he needed he needs more game time to be actually working with the Polisic uh, with Mason Mount get more game time to get them all in, on the same page. It didn't look like that for some for some moments, but then towards the end, I think he was all right. I think.
1: Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, he's you can tell he's growing into it bit by bit, but then yeah. It's just, it's just a hard situation to be in, isn't it? When you're coming back and every time you're on the pitch, he, you really want to impress. And sometimes he might end up doing too much or the pressure could get to him. It's its just a situation that needs to be handled really carefully. So, I mean, I don't know, Jim, Jimmy, how would how would you play it if you were Frank Lampard? Would you... I mean, how would you... Because Pulisic is arguably our best winger right now. Would, would that be okay to say? So... Uh, if, if, assuming Pulisic is our best winger at the moment, would you, I don't know, rotate William with Hudson-Odoi for the odd, I don't know, every every two games or three games, obviously depending on training as well, but I just, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's so. I'm asking you, I guess, Jim.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, it's difficult. Uh, on the one hand, undoubtedly, Christian Pulisic is our most lethal attacking option at the moment. Actually, even in front of Tammy Abraham, if you ask me, because if there was any danger, that happened, I, I think it's really been mentioned, but I'll just reiterate this. If any danger developed against West Ham, it was all coming from Christian Pulisic. Yeah. The way he you know, uh, used his body and his pace to cause problems to those West Ham defenders that it was great, you know, and that was a major part of the opening, what was it, 25 minutes or so? Or 30 minutes where we were really good. Uh, then West Ham got a grip of the game. Okay. But he, he, he needs to start, undoubtedly. You know, we don't have to discuss that. <sighs> Regarding the other positions, I know Mason Mount had a, not a good performance, but I think he tried to create things uh, or make things happen. But the problem was, if you have an Olivier Giroud that, despite being known for his uh, proneness on the, of holding up the ball and uh, his uh, ability uh, with, with his head, he didn't really show any effectiveness. I know, you know, he hasn't played... Once or was it once that he started for Chelsea this season? But otherwise, he hasn't really played. But still, you know, if if we would have had Tammy Abraham in front, I think he, Mason Mount would have had more impact. I know that's a lot of ifs and buts, but you don't can't say for sure. But uh, you know, I think it would have been better for him. So I would still play Mason Bowne. I'm, uh, I don't want to say I'm a fanboy, but I just believe in his ability. And as such, if we're playing in the 4-2-3-1, which I still think, as most of the community does, or the majority, that that is the right formation. And with Kante and uh, Kovacic behind him, I think he that works well. Yeah, he should. And the last one. I don't know. I know Hudson Odoi has had is being hot and cold. This season, but you know, start with William, It's worked, but if after one game we see that it's the same William that got uh, substituted into their game at West Ham, no, mm-hmm. you know, sub him at halftime. Give the chance to Adam Hudson. Even if he's not playing well, at least yeah. he will learn from it. Will get minutes under his belt so that he can improve again. Because William, let's face it, he's not going to get much better. He can't develop into a better player at this point in his career in the twilight of his career let's be honest so giving these minutes uh to Callum Hudson-Odoi makes far more sense if you ask me yeah no I
1: agree but uh, no I mean I I, just just on just as an aside how good is it to see a fullback of ours or a right back of ours more specifically who can actually cross a ball and cross it well
0: (laughs) that I mean to be honest, guys, wasn't that infuriating? I know I know it sounds weird now, infuriating that Reese James was crossing so well because every time he brought in a cross, no one was there to on the to get on the end of it.
1: And, and that's weird. Every that... time
0: every time when Reese James crossed the ball, I thought, oh although it's a good thing, don't get me wrong, but you know, you just knew what was gonna happen.
1: Yeah. But but it, it it should have worked. I mean, um, in theory, when you're starting Olivier Giroud up front, and you're having someone like Reese James as a right back, I mean that's what that's what we that's what worked with good effect when Hudson and I was playing on the right, and Giroud was starting. You know, uh, last season uh, worked. It worked well in the Europa League, and I expected something similar, like similar to that in this game. But then, yeah, it was it was very infuriating. That the,
2: there was no one to get on the end of those really, really speaking sumptuous of, crosses. Yeah, speaking of crossing, did you guys, I, I thought I thought it was a little funny when, towards the end, when Giroud was off and Hudson-Doy was uh, subbed on and William was there and he tried putting in crosses after crosses. And yeah,
1: was,
0: good
2: point. <laughs> it kept on hitting every, like, West Ham defender or, or, or the goalkeeper. There was yeah. no, we didn't we didn't have a striker in there and he kept on crossing the ball. I did I've never seen William cross the ball so much in a single game than I did in those last fifteen minutes. I'm not oh. sure <laughs> what, what he was trying to do, but I thought it was funny. No, he I that beforehand, and that's why he
0: should have started. Let's be honest.
1: Yeah. However, don't don't you also think that we, I don't know, we we seem to rely on cross. I mean, we we had good crosses of the ball, but then it seemed as if our you know, attacking game through the centre just like diminished a great deal because it was get it out to the right and then cross it for, I mean, a lot of attacks. And I found that kind of strange because we haven't really seen that from Chelsea until this game. So, I'm not really sure what Lampard is trying there. But.
0: Well, wait, isn't it, it... I mean, it seems... I don't want to say obvious because that sounds pretentious, but it's for me... I'd expect that he did that because he knew, well, Olivier Giroud, we have that threat up front. But, and I'd really like to know your opinion on this, uh, guys. Do you think that Olivier Giroud, because he was so inefficient, even when it came to you know getting on the end of crosses with his head, was so inefficient because he's already gone, mentally speaking now. He already sees himself leaving in January that maybe he's not really in the game anymore. I know he's a professional and he, normally he's always acted very professionally, but mm. if his head's elsewhere, you never know, you know, because that didn't seem like a strike to me who was really giving it his all because normally he'd be in those kind of positions. And that one horrible miss they had, or oh, was it a miss or did he didn't get on the end of it, he, you know, that he should have
1: scored there uh that's a uh, that's a tough one I yeah I I'm not I'm not, not gonna lay this kind of play on my mind as well when I was watching but then obviously the, the that's the first thing you're gonna think but then you would expect him to play up to a professional standard knowing the kind of player he is and the kind of career he's had up until now and yeah me, me, i I wouldn't blame him because he's he's barely had a sniff all season. Bachii has been firmly second choice. and I, I know it's his job, but then he's probably leaving January, isn't he? he's he's not gonna he's not gonna stay firmly rooted as third choice, especially when there's a national tournament of the summer. So yeah, I think that mentally he might be half step out of the door. And that might have affected his game, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm kind of going to agree with you for that, but I hope that's not the case. But then, uh, I'm I'm not saying that it definitely isn't going to be. In fact, I do think it may have been. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on this, Kanish? You know, uh,
2: I think I I really like Jiru since he came from Arsenal to our team. He's he's been nothing but professional. You know, he's been fantastic whenever called upon. Uh, so I don't want to say. That you know, like I, I'd, I'd I will never call him unprofessional, uh, you know, but definitely if you play, it plays on the mind that you have uh, two young strikers starting ahead of you, and uh, and you're like not in the rhythm with the rest of the team, and then suddenly you, you're called upon to start a game. Uh, I don't think he can just uh, just turn it on like that, and yeah, definitely feel like feels like that. Maybe his mind is elsewhere. He's, I think his time at Chelsea is slowly coming to an end, and it felt like maybe he's not at like hundred percent, which you would you which you would usually expect. Like bumbling into the, um, the defenders, getting them down, getting some fouls. He just he just looked like he was just going through the motions mm. a little bit, and know, and, and I was a little surprised to see Giroud starting. And I'm not the biggest fan of Batchway, but I would have started Batchway for a game like this because we are playing against West Ham, which are not exactly the best defense. And maybe Batchuay would have been a little more mobile, more attacking, and linked up better with Pulisic. I don't know. Hindsight, right?
0: Yeah, of course, you know. But on the other hand, I, you know, with speaking about a player that has started more for his country than for his club this season. Yeah. I don't think that that makes much sense because Lampard's system. You know, one can argue how many similarities it has to sorry ball in regard to uh, holding onto the ball and being the attacking team. Uh, but you know, thing is, I don't, I, I don't understand why Lampard did it because there were so many options. If he thinks that. You know, West Ham is going to defend deep, and thus will need some people that take them on one on one. Then why didn't he just start with Callum Hudson-Odoi? Unless you know, of course, he thought you know he's not up for a full a full game. But it's just it's baffling. I I don't get that. And I I hope we don't experience that ever again under his tenure. Yeah. What one thing that one question that I will put in uh, to, uh, to you guys is. Well, for you, um, True Blue, it's a new question. But for Ram, we're talking about something complete, uh, something that he's already answered. Now, if we are able to buy in January and we do decide to sell Giroud and Pedro or let's say Giroud decides to go, should we also get rid of Pedro and then get reinforcements? Because Ram wasn't in favour of this last week, but I know it's only been one game, but seeing that they're just useless, I know this is harsh. It's, it's harsh. It's very harsh. And I, once again, I, lo- I really do like Giroud and I respect Pedro immensely for what he's achieved in his career, but they are past uh, sell-by date, at least at Chelsea. And so, so I I believe we need reinforcements. Uh, Ram wasn't of the opinion before. Maybe he changes my I don't know. We'll hear from him shortly. I would like to hear what mm-hmm. you say, True Blue.
2: So this is under the assumption that we're going to get our transfer ban overturned yeah. for January. I mean, if we exactly. can, if we, if we can, um, you know, if the player is not like hundred percent with the team, I I'm I'm in the I think. If they want to go, we should let them go, and we should get reinforcement. But the other the other thing is, uh, other thing is like, can we get quality reinforcements in January? You know, or do you want to get like a stopgap arrangement? And that is never it doesn't really ever work with for for long term um, uh, solution. So that's another thing. <laughs> and we're going to be playing FA Cup. We're going to be playing hopefully hopefully some Champions League games. Okay, um next round next year. Yeah. So uh, that's a tough one, you know. (laughs) I don't know. If can we if if we can get quality reinforcements and I I would love to see some like high quality players coming to our team in in January, then we should do Mm. it. Okay. Ram, have you changed your mind?
1: Um, I maintain more or less the same stance that I had last week. I would uh, we discussed it. No, but...
2: Uh, I have, uh,
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as for the winger conundrum, I have three words, which are Saeed, Ben Rama, and Brentford. No, okay. Um, that's Okay, maybe may, may not him. If, if you're too iffy about buying from the championship, even though he's going to play in the Premier League eventually. Just get Ryan Fraser. The man has six months left on his contract. If you need a fourth choice option... If you're if you're essentially replacing Pedro with like a younger version of himself, just get Ryan Fraser. What's a big deal? Even even every, every team needs to have a fourth choice. You can't now, have yeah no no not that. It's just you you <laughs> can't you can't have four players who are all young and all need to play at the same time. That was that was I was just discussing this with a friend today. You you can't have Hudson, Adoy, Pulisic, and like someone who is. You know, very young and es- it's Ask essential to that. Ryan Fraser, he's like 26. So young. It's young, but it's, you know, it's the time in his career where he he would want to play for like a, a top six side. And if uh, he, he's, he's going to turn 26 in February, sorry. But yeah, this I mean, it, this is a if not, then when kind of moment for him. He's in his prime right now and it, he's... He's probably not going to start for a top six side. I mean, I I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he does start for top six side because I like him. But I, I don't think he's going to walk into the lineup of any side, um, in the top six right now. So he's probably going to play like the same role in any of these teams. And if he wants to make that step up from Bournemouth, he might as well go to a club where, which runs on, you know, a deserving meritocracy like this. I'm sure if he comes in and he scores like. Ha- I don't know if, if he has a good output of goals and assists in his limited appearance. Lampard is probably going to give him chances. It's it's a it's a good environment for a player to be. The fact that Pedro is getting a start in a meaningful Premier League game should tell you everything. <laughs> should tell you the fact that if someone who is better than him right now is going to come to the team, then mm. he's probably going to have more of a chance of playing than Pedro. And okay. which is which is already not at such a bad level if you if you if you really think about it. So. Mm. If, Ram, if it
2: seems like uh, Liverpool is also keeping an eye on Ryan Fraser.
1: Exactly. Yeah, but
2: they so want if, yeah. James Sancho as well, so, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if if Liverpool can look at someone like Ryan Fraser, if Liverpool can look at someone like Zerdinand Shakiri, if Liverpool can have players like Divock Origi on their side, why? I mean, I, I see no reason as to why we can't replace Pedro with a younger, stockier, Scottish Pedro. So, yeah. Okay. Just, just do that. And if, if you're letting Giroud go, then just, just don't do anything until the summer. That's that's mm. my fault. Yeah. Okay. Before
0: we continue, we'll just quickly take a break. Okay, and we are back. Um, I want to just quickly, before we move on to the next subject, follow up the Brian Fraser debate. First of all, I'd really like to know from our listeners, um, do you agree with Ram? Would Brian Fraser be a possibility at right wing if we need a fourth option. What could he could he really make a difference? We don't know, but you know, give us uh, your opinion. And to you two now, of course primarily Ram, because I think the only one of us who's really watched it uh watched him will be Ram. Do you think he would have made a difference if if he'd started for Pedro? I know this is all hypothetical. But do you really think he would have made a difference what what could he have brought to the team if he would have started instead of Pedro on um on Saturday against West Ham
1: Ah oh, geez, is
0: he a Lampard player you know let's start with that maybe
1: Yeah I I, I think he is because he's he is <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's Scottish I mean yeah he jeez uh, ah, yeah let's, let's not get into that uh,
0: no, I'm kidding. no he's
1: He's a he's tenacious and he he's shown that he can physically compete at this level. So you know how Pedro does all the running around and sometimes he runs back into our own half. Mm. Ryan, Ryan Fraser will do that, but he probably won't run back into your own half. And he is it just helps to have someone who is more attuned to playing regular minutes in the Premier League. Pedro is like 32 years old. He's he's way past the I mean, he's in the twilight of his career. He's probably passing the twilight of his career as well, at at this level, anyway. And just just to have someone who is much more in sync with the league itself playing is is going to give you so much more reassurance, um, instead of someone who's going to play like once in a month, and who's also
2: he.
1: If you have a winger who's relying on pace, and the you know, it it doesn't really make sense to. I mean, you're obviously going to favour a winger in in the peak of his powers, as opposed to someone who is, I mean, wherever Pedro is right now. So just just on the basis of that alone, Ryan Fraser would probably instil me with more confidence in a one-off instant like instance like this. But then there's also there's also the fact that he is a proven performer at this level. So he's been playing for Bournemouth, which is admittedly not, I mean, not, not among the strongest teams at the moment. But just looking at the statistics, his numbers have actually been really good. And that's that's the reason why teams like Liverpool have been looking at him. Like last season, he played 3,400 minutes, okay? And that's 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 the foremost thing you should be looking at. And then before, I mean, before you judge any other statistics and then you look at the fact that he is averaging like 0.3 expected assists per 90 which means he is you know effectively earning an assist or creating like one expected goal every three games that is that is pretty good if you ask me that that's actually that's that's actually like the 98th percentile for every winger uh, last season every single attacking player so Ryan Fraser has been creating more chances than like 98% of every Premier League attacker in in the 2018-19 season. He's also he's also been involved in like one goal every two games for Bournemouth. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. Well. If if you if you look at you know if you look just it's a naive metric because it looks at you know the last three passes leading up to a goal, but he's been involved in that. He's been involved in the build-up, the immediate build-up to goal, like once every two games, dude. And he's he's playing a lot of passes into the penalty area, which is, which is really good when you have players like Pulisic and Tammy Abraham who can retain it in the penalty area. He is completing a lot of passes near i mean he's completing a lot of passes within like a 15 meter radius of the opposition goal there's another metric for you he's obviously dribbling a lot because he's he's firing well in the progressive runs metric as well so it's it's not as if you're just plucking an average winger out of an average side and saying let's stick him in because he's you know he's young and he's in the peak of his powers whatever those powers yeah. are he's he's been performing well uh, like the whole of last season he's been doing he's been doing it consistently and He's going to be cheap, and he he consistently gets the ball into the penalty area, and that's that's a valuable thing, if you ask me. And he's not he's not he's not the type of winger who averages like too many passes per game. He averages like more or less the league average of like maybe Okay, third, okay, third. okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry not gonna to cut you off, yeah, but you you yeah. getting <laughs> really
0: into detail I, here.
1: Yeah, I, I feel as if I have I've oh, well overshot the mark of whatever you were asking me, but yeah. I mean, I'm, you've
0: I'm, advocated well for him. No, no, no doubt. Yeah, well, I, I think sure we've established
1: that. It. No, that's okay. But yeah, I hope we've established that Ryan Fraser is a pretty decent player at the Premier League level right now. And for a team that sees more of the ball, he's he's going to do a lot more. Okay. So, yeah.
0: well, I now want to put the question uh, to Kanish. Yeah. The thing is, one of the many problems that we've had over the last few years that we've, and I'm sorry, Ram. I know you've been to have spoken very highly of him, but in regard to pedigree and standing, Ryan Fraser definitely isn't the most uh, glamorous option to buy. I know as a fourth winger, nevertheless bringing him in in January would possibly uh, diminish our chances of signing a quality winger in the summer because I don't think that William will leave next summer unfortunately. Um, Why not? Why not? I, I just don't think it will happen. I think he'll sign a contract extension and then he'll stay on. Um, and that's why I'd like to know from you: Do you would do you agree with uh, the sentiment that we could bring in Ryan Fraser in the the January window, or should we just stay basically with the wingers that we have, use May- Mason Mount on the wing uh, because Ruben Loftus Cheeks coming back as well, and wait till the summer to get like a Jaden Sancho or something like that? What do you think?
2: Okay, uh, so full disclosure: I'm not exactly the the biggest fan of Jaden Sancho, to be honest. Oh I I that so. Yeah, I, I mean he's 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 like pacey, and when uh, I mean, he does his tricks, but I feel like we do have another player on a similar mold already in the team. I think Callum Hudson yeah. is is not very different from Jaden Sancho. This is just my opinion. I maybe yeah. Completely I like wrong, you, Ganesh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, the the guy I would like, but uh, I mean. Uh, Plays in the Premier League. He's Everton's Richarlison. I really like him. You know, Mm. he plays in the wing. Unfortunately,
1: uh, he's just signed a new deal.
2: Just signed a new deal? Okay. Yeah.
1: That's
2: kind of, yeah. No, I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah. I was just thinking about, like, you know, like already Premier League uh, wingers. I've been really impressed by Richarlison. Mm -hmm. Um, And another player, I know he's not exactly like, winger per se, and he plays uh, but this is I don't know why, but he reminds me a lot of Pedro during his Barcelona time but uh, I really like uh, Timo Werner he plays for Leipzig I, think, yeah. right? I know, it's, just, it's, it's a long shot getting guy like him at, at Chelsea, but if you're thinking like big, big, I think that's somebody I would love to see at playing at Chelsea
1: That's a really good shot because Timo mm-hmm. Werner is actually not that unattainable, is he, Jimmy? He has like a thirty-five million release clause or something.
0: He, yeah. Well, the thing was, uh, I think it was two seasons ago when he was in contract uh, talks with um, whats am I call it, uh, Leipzig.
1: Yeah. At, yeah.
0: at the time, they didn't have um, Julian Nagelsmann as the as they do now the thing is when they wanted him to sign a new contract they were intent on letting him not go for free because they thought oh my god this is going to be the same like with Dortmund where um Lewandowski left for nothing was zilch and went to Bayern and you know we know how that turned out I mean his scoring record is ridiculous yeah. and they, they were scared that would happen so what they did was Agree reluctantly to include this kind of a clause in there, because what Werner wanted was to play under Julian Nagelsmann. He said, even though you know he isn't here yet i'll wait this year to see how things turn out under Nagelsmann because Nagelsmann is extremely highly rated in in Germany for a reason he he has been very very good and it's been uh a very quick rise to prominence. So he does have this release clause in his contract, but as always, you know, the has to agree to that. And we have Tammy Abraham at our club, who is being really good. He's among the best with Timo Werner in Europe at the moment, um, scoring record wise this season. So, I'm not sure if Werner would want to come to Chelsea. I'll be completely honest. And personally, I'm not a big fan of his. I've already said this in... Uh, okay. ...former podcasts.
1: Yeah, you have. You have, yeah.
0: But, you know, I, he, I don't know if he'd fit 100% in our system. He has been very inconsistent at times. He um, is the kind of guy that can be hot and cold as well and if he doesn't fit in this one system then it's for nothing you know and that's why i'm not sure he does tick a lot of the boxes don't get me wrong but his inconsistency at times despite being so good this season has me worried 35 million of course is the 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 thing is the price is what's really yeah uh good because you could buy him and then just sell him for about double that. I know. I, I don't see why the player would do that, you know, why would he? But uh, unless, you know, he was being loaned, uh, he used to play for Chelsea and then was loaned or, or, or sold there and then came back. For example, as was with, with who was it? Morata with, with Madrid, you know. Um, or was it Juventus? I'm not sure anymore. Point being Morata and that's why, okay, with that price, you know, you can't really do much wrong, but I don't see the point in having Tammy Abram and Timo Werner because in many aspects uh, they have a similar game, although you know, Tammy has better hold-up play, if you ask me. Well, Let's say like this, he has the possibility to have better hold-up play, but the usage of his body, as we spoke last week with, uh, with Simon, hasn't been the best as of yet. Um, he can certainly improve on that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want Timo Werner. I'll, I'll be completely honest. But okay. if we do get him for that price, I don't think anyone can really complain. Um, worst case scenario sell him off after season for double that amount. But, yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's okay. not really... Let, that let, me, coming, let,
2: let me, me ask you this, uh, Jim. Mm. So, like, you know, if you're looking at... Uh, Oliver Giroux leaving the club, this uh, either January or summer, mm. and uh, who would you consider like as, as a backup striker or a second striker? And would you be com- would you be comfortable with Bashuai as your number two striker?
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, I I I trust in Michi, uh, Michi in Batshuayi, Uh Michi. Um, the thing is, and I think this was a really really good point made last week, and. I thought about it a bit and I can only agree with it. I'm not sure if it was Ram or Simon who said this, so correct me if I'm wrong here, Ram. But one of you said that whoever is our third striker should be someone who can also play on the wing. And yeah,
1: I, I think I said that.
0: <laughs> completely agree with that because even though Alexander... Was, was, who was it?
1: Yeah, it was me.
0: <laughs> it was you. So yeah, I agree with you there, Ram, because even though Alexander Lacazette for Arsenal hasn't been good this season... At times when that combination worked uh, with Aubameyang and Lacazette both playing, one on the wing or, you know, they're exchanging that role uh, between each other, that's been really potent. And I think that could also work for Chelsea because yeah. right wing has been a problematic area for ages. So, you know, if we can get a striker there, don't ask me who, because I'm not quite sure. I think Musa Dembele would be someone who has played on the wing and has the capacity to play on the wing um, while being great at striker. Timo Werner definitely isn't. He doesn't. You you can't really use him on the wing. He's wasted there, and that's not his forte. So that will be my choice. I don't think we're going to get that in January. So as Ram said in regard to strikers, leave it with uh, Bashwai and Tammy Abraham until the end of the season. We're out of a competition, the League Cup. Who knows how far we get in the other competitions? And give it, uh, leave it with them. We have other options with Pulisic or. Uh, well, yeah, actually, sure. Room Loftus Cheek can play there. I don't want him to play there, but you know, we, we have options basically, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't get anyone there before the summer. But a winger, we need a winger in, in January, if you ask me, uh, because Callum Hudson-Doyle being hot and cold, uh, an injury might hit us. Willian being Willian, we need someone there. And if you believe the the rumor mill of today, Jaden Sancho there has been a huge rupture with his relationship with Dortmund. Never know, but do share. Why, why do you think he? Well, why don't you like the thought of Jadon Sancho coming to Chelsea? Can Uh,
2: because uh, you know, I. Firstly, like I don't have like Jaden Sancho. I would in that position. I feel like we already have a young, like very young, uh, player who who is similarly growing as a player in our team. I don't know if I'm comfortable with having two players like that. In, in our team oh, yeah, with, a, so with, a similar, mm-hmm. with a similar mold. Secondly, I would rather, I would, I would want to have a player with some more experience, some more years uh, under the belt playing in that attacking role. I think, but if, if William leaves, I think he will leave. That's just my opinion. Pedro leaving, it will leave. The most experienced player then will be who? Christian Pulisic, who is like 23. Mm. Uh, I don't know. That's just that's just my thinking. Plus, I okay. I see he he has Jaden Sancho. Looks like he has good pace. Um, he has a knack of scoring goals. Uh, I don't know how his stats are. Right? Maybe Ram can tell me about the stats. But
1: oh, his stats yes. are amazing, dude. <laughs> yeah, his stats are really really good. Yeah.
2: Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind. If I see more of him, but no, I actually, whatever, I actually whatever little I've seen,
1: him. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I agree with your call that he might be blocking Hudson and Doy's path. And if we if we have a potential gem on our hands, why shouldn't we, you know, let him progress? Uh it's it's a tough one, as you say. Just his his metrics are actually crazy. He's on like scoring a goal every other game, assisting a goal every three games. Just like Ryan Fraser, <laughs> he's a he's a young Ryan Fraser. So, um, did you guys nah, see the but,
2: news about some like some disciplinary issues with this with yeah, um, being late on um, trainings yeah. or some meetings or something like
1: did, that? It did, did see that, but then he's. Let's not forget that he's nineteen. I mean, when. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak for you, Kanishka, or you, <laughs> Jimmy, since you guys are like somewhere from 19 but uh, i was i was 19 like 3 years ago and i i was <laughs> i'm not going to say i was a very level headed individual at 19 yeah. so it's uh it's i don't know i'm i'm not, i'm not going to read too much into that he's he might there are several things i could attribute to him undergoing a rough patch even if it's discipline wise and you know i i saw someone raise a really good point on twitter about, about raheem sterling being the same age as Jaden Sancho, when he got accused of having disciplinary issues, and look where he is now. So yeah,
0: good point. So,
2: yeah. It's not,
1: not 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 necessarily something to read into. Just, I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Jaden Sancho was an exceptional player. It's just, I I really think you've raised a pertinent point about him potentially spanning. I mean throwing a spanner in the works for Calumet Sinodoy, And I don't know how much Hudson Doy would appreciate that, even though he might be, I don't know, best mates with Sancho and stuff. But yeah, I think that's that's uh, as far as we can go with this discussion today, because we've got some more things to discuss after this very short break. Welcome back to We Ain't Got No podcast. And in our final section, we are going to look forward to not just our next game which is midweek against Aston Villa who have just stolen a couple of points of Manchester United although I mean uh, I don't know if you'd actually call it stolen if they were you know
2: I think it's Manchester United which stole those two points
1: exactly (laughs) you'll have to see it (laughs) so yeah we're we're hosting Aston Villa on Wednesday night and They've actually been doing pretty well, but before we get into that, we have drawn Knott's County, isn't it, Jim?
0: No, Nottingham Forest.
1: Nottingham Forest. Jeez. Okay. Uh, I could have sworn you said Notts County to me. <laughs> <Sorry>. uh, <laughs> right. Okay. We've drawn, Chelsea have drawn Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. This just in, breaking news, as they say. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Liverpool have drawn Everton as well, but yeah, I think have have we played Nottingham Forest recently in recent in yeah. recent memory? I, think I feel as if we three played them last year or something like that. Okay, geez, okay, sorry, uh, my memory evidently isn't that good. I know that Nottingham Forest knocked out Arsenal a couple of years ago though, and Nottingham Forest have are doing really, really well in the league actually. So it's it's not it's not going to be a very easy game. I think Lampard might play some kids anyway because. You know, he started them against Man United. But also Nottingham Forest are gonna to want to play well in this because cup runs are actually I'm not sure how valuable cup runs are for rich championship clubs anymore. But yeah, Nottingham Forest are gonna be a very tough side to break down. They're very well disciplined, very well drilled, physically sound game. though so that's yeah, that's gonna be a tough one, something to keep an eye on. But yeah, we're gonna discuss that in a couple of podcast time, I guess. Anyway. Looking back to the next game against Aston Villa. Also, that, that's at Stamford Bridge, by the way. We're hosting Nottingham Forest at Stamford Bridge. And we are also hosting Aston Villa at Stamford Bridge. And Aston Villa may be 15th on the table. But I would say for a side that has just been promoted, they're doing okay. They have a lot of good players on the side, a lot of talented players, namely one Jack Creel, yep. who should definitely definitely be making the England squad. In the next, in the next um, iteration of, of international matches, nah. if he doesn't, I really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Oh, Jimmy, nah. you don't you don't seem to rate nah. you don't seem to rate nah. Jack Relish, and his. Nah. okay, fine. <laughs> okay, you can stop, you can stop. Nah. Jeez, <laughs> so 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 they they have they have Jack right. Relish, uh, they have, um, Trezeguet, they have Anwar Al Ghazi, Wesley Conahurehan, who is really dangerous offset pieces. Uh, Tyron Mings, who's been involved in the England national team setup Bjorn Engels all, a bunch of really solid players there's a can. I'm waiting, I'm waiting no. <laughs> for
0: one name I, I'm waiting um, for one specific name that you've been raving about quite a few times this season very really? so peculiar that I haven't said him first or I missed it
1: oh my god about- yeah Oh, wait, John, John, McGinn, McGinn, John right? McGinn, John McGinn, John McGinn. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. John McGinn is an absolute powerhouse of a midfielder. He could easily play for a top-six team that isn't named Manchester City. I'm not kidding. I'm really not kidding. You guys are going to see in like a year or two. You might be laughing at me now. I know you're laughing at me. But, um, yeah, John McGinn is really good. Just, just yeah, remember that. Basically, Aston Villa are full of players that could, you know, fit a possession style of football, but then they... They have been a bit more direct this season because they've adapted their approach, and they started off. I mean, they didn't start off very well, but then they've they've picked up recently and they've shown that they can compete against big teams. They, I think they took the lead against Man United, Liverpool, Tottenham as well. So yeah, it's 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 not going to be easy. Uh, midweek game, we are going to be suffering the bite of fatigue a bit. So, Kanish, how do you how do you see this one playing out?
2: Uh oh man, I. I really hope in that first 20, 25 minutes of us being on top, and I think we will be on top, we do get a goal. I think that is very important. I feel like repeatedly I've seen, in the when we, even when the season started, that initial, like, initial press and initial uh, control of the game, we need a goal during that time. Otherwise, we seem to taper off after that. I felt like that happening against uh, against uh, Manchester City. And I think it happened against uh, uh, even against West Ham. So I hope we do get a goal. I am looking forward to seeing uh, Jack Grealish. I know uh, I think Jim doesn't like him much. But I do like uh, Jack Grealish. Him going against hopefully Reese James starts again on that left side. So I want to see that that competition. uh, See how it goes. Also, uh, the return of John Terry back at Stamford Bridge. Uh, that'll be nice. John Terry and uh, Frank Lampard in, in the opposite, opposite dugouts. Uh, so these are some storylines which I'll be looking at. But uh, I hope Tammy Abraham is back uh, and, you know, he gets back to his goal-scoring uh, form. He he seems to do better against not like the top, the top sides. He's, you know not a not a dig at, not a dig at him but that's seem, it seems like that that's what's happening that he gets he gets his goals against uh the outside of the top 16 so I hope he gets his gold uh, against Aston Villa and he's back in the scoring form and uh yeah it's it'll be interesting what formation uh Lampard goes with this in in this match maybe he has learned something from the West Ham game uh, West Ham game will he have three in the middle two in the middle I don't know so we'll see.
0: I think it's also uh, concerning. Uh, it is inc- imperative that we win this. I know we shouldn't be panicking yeah. and all that, but we need to win this badly. And um, full strength lineup is th- there's no alternative. We need a full strength lineup. Tammy Abraham seems to be fit enough to play starting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No Giroud nonsense. As fun a guy as he is. Um, or as nice a guy as he is whatever same goes for Pedro he can't start I mean he wouldn't anyway but you know start William again William when he starts is much better for whatever reason maybe he sulks too much if he's a substitute whatever just no no messing around here We we need three points Aston Villa did get a point against Man United but you know we should be winning this we should And I think while we shouldn't underestimate them, we will have to just bring the game to them. We'll do our thing. And I'm quite interested to see whether Mace Mount starts this one, actually, because he didn't play too well against West Ham, as already talked about. But it'd be very interesting to see if he does play him. Um, Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much that. I mean, if we come to predictions here, I, I, I was going with a draw against West Ham. Was, was it West Ham? No, it was against. Uh, that was against uh, Valencia. Oh, we didn't talk about Valencia, did we? Oh, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> can't, can't be helped. Um, but you know, I, I, I think we'll have to win if it's going to be a narrow one. So let's say two-one because we always concede. Um, yeah. What? What do you guys think?
1: Uh, I probably go see I'm gonna yeah. go with two two nil myself, Chelsea when okay. yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with four 0 Not not, not nothing better than to bounce back wow. to extremely you like idealistic three, you, you, victory.
2: you were like three 0 of five seconds
1: ago. <laughs> uh yeah, no. I mean I, I heard your two nil and then I oh, to you that raised, it. I raised okay. the four nil. All right. Yeah.
2: All right.
1: Yeah, just just remember remember I said this one we actually win four 0 So okay well don't
2: we have like do, do, isn't doesn't chelsea have their la, biggest win ever in premier league against aston villa under, like seven yeah that was now? that was
1: yeah that was the game in which lucas piazzon oh, came on right? assisted yeah. a goal and then won a penalty and then missed a penalty and then went on loan forever so yeah, yeah. should it's it's, the he go to penalty. Uh, he should have scored the penalty, but who knows what would have happened then? It's called—I like to call it—the Lukaku syndrome. Well, well, where yeah. is on anyway these days? I, I think he's in—he's in Portugal. Or, yeah, he's—he's at Rio F in Portugal. Yeah, right. So, where—what we're about Andon? We usually do this at the start, but we obviously had a very engaging game to discuss obviously so do you want to tell us how you started becoming a Chelsea we, I mean how you started supporting Chelsea and, and how you started visiting the blog as well
2: sure uh, so actually I started following football around like 2001 2002 I mean the I even remember my first game it was the Champions League final Real Madrid versus Leverkusen if you guys remember the Zidane's famous volley they no, won I the really Champions don't League
1: I really you don't, remember? don't
2: No. Oh, I, I mean,
1: wow. I, I'm yet to find someone who's come on here and, you know, started watching football after I was like 10 or something. So, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy probably remembers. Okay. So
2: this this was like back in the day. Uh, I don't know. If, yeah. Like Zidane in his peak Real Madrid and scores that famous volley against Leverkusen. That was the game I actually started watching and growing up back in india when i was in india it was late in the night so we used to just get only a few games so i used to watch yeah, like, champions league champions like one, league one, four, in four, night, yeah. one in the night one in the night two in the night and yeah so we used to watch those games uh, and my friends who were who were into football they were all uh, either manchester united or not arsenal fan and just it felt like they you are know, the two main teams they used to follow and two thousand three, they had the invincible season, and uh, I, I like I didn't want to pick up any of those two tribes. I don't know. Then, uh, certain Mr. Jose Mourinho came along, two thousand four, and I, I loved his personnel. I didn't really like follow Chelsea right away, but mm-hmm. watching them, watching them play, and watching them beat teams, and watching them beat the teams I, the team I detest the most, which is Manchester United. Watching him beat that, I, I think I started becoming, slowly becoming a big fan of Chelsea that day. And then I followed that team, and we had some great years uh, with, with Jose Mourinho. And I just I haven't stopped following Chelsea since then. I've been following Chelsea since then. All of the ups and downs, managers coming and going Jose Mourinho, MK1, MK2, <laughs> uh, Scolari, ABB, uh, Hiddink. All these guys coming and going—it's been always very interesting with Chelsea, and you know I love I love the club, I love the team, and always something happening, and just I can't get enough. So <laughs> yeah, sounds really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I've been very around the fun. I've been around the board the VNG Kolkata history board for over six years now. We're just looking at like Prop, just, before, just before just before like, yeah, like wow! How long have I been here? Because I remember when we had Simon Gabriel. We had trust me, I'm lying. The guy who's the I think he's the one of the moderators now. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. So, so all these guys. So I've been around for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think we've we've all we've all been around that duration. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, although, although I do wish I was old enough to have actively. Watched and experienced Mourinho's first tenure, that would have been pretty cool. Double, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. if if I ever find video archives of those two seasons, I'm gonna go through all all of them.
2: Also, the Ancelotti's season and the Ancelotti's team. Oh, yeah, yeah, which we won the double. Oh, that was was really good. Incredible team, yes, yeah. I think that I I actually remember that one.
1: Chelsea teams, yeah. Flora Meluda was one of the best wingers in world football, no, no, no.
0: <laughs> you would have said that a few years ago, blimey.
1: That
0: would have been an interesting debate.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it would have been. Really at, at, so.
2: at that time, like we had goal scoring threats from every player, like all yeah, defenders, yeah. midfielders, all three in the front. Anyone could have scored the game, uh, scored a goal. And uh, man, I, I missed that. I, I miss that. So yeah. when I see Zuma jumping and <laughs> jumping and... <laughs> anyway,
1: yeah, good days. Yeah. Plus, we had an Anelka on the wing who, I mean, he would be that kind of striker that we would ideally have today who could also, you know, double up as a second choice and depth on the wing. But, yeah, that's probably a discussion for another day. I guess we've, we've pretty much run out of time for today's episode. And, yeah, we're calling curtains on it. We look forward to the Aston Villa game next. And, yeah, obviously a 4-0 win. So, it's been good <laughs> to have you on here today. Thanks. Thanks for being on the
2: podcast with us. Thank you for having me, guys. Yep.
1: We would definitely love to have you back at some point at towards the end of the season when we beat Aston Villa 4 again at <laughs> Villa Park. Um, yeah. So, this is us signing off with another episode of Wayne Cotton Podcast, which I have lost count of. I think it's 15 So, yeah, this is us signing off. See ya.